All right, well, we're going to continue our um, series on the grace-filled life, so, but, but we're going to a different passage tonight, um, so I want, want, uh, want us to look at Romans 12. Romans 12. So we've been talking the last several weeks, um, looking at primarily at um, Titus 2 and 3, and talking about how the grace of God trains us, trains us to, for example, Paul says in Titus 2, trains us to reject ungodliness and trains us to live godly in this present age. So, you know, that's, we're still going to be talking along those same lines, but, but um, just moving to a different, different text here. So, of course, it's going to be some different wording, but, but um, tonight I want to, want to really be considering here just again just a different aspect really the same thing just a different way of looking at it but but um, talk about transforming grace or or how we are transformed by grace God's grace of course is what we're talking about Paul says it's the grace of God training us um, to reject ungodliness and to live godly in this present age so here we're, we're going to talk about how how it changes us transforms us so I want to read um, probably, the, I think I'll just go ahead and read the first. Now yeah, we'll read one through thirteen. <clears throat> we could go further than that, but we won't even cover that. But but that'll help us get the context here. <laughs> so Romans twelve, um, one through thirteen. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith, that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. We'll stop there for now, but you can, you can see one reason um, wanted us to get that um, the body analogy here again is because you, you can see how what Paul's talking about here, how it, how it plays out in relationships. 
When, when he talks about, for example, in verses 1 and 2, when he talks about being a living sacrifice to God and, he, and uh, offering spiritual worship in verse 1, when he talks about in verse 2 not being like the world but being um, transformed, um, all, of, all of this plays out in relationships. And that's why he goes on to practical application such as uh, verse 9 there, let love be... Uh, genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast what is good, um, patient in tribulation, constant in prayer, and then the rest of the chapter, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, and so on and so forth. So again, when we talk about living godly, godlike, we're, we're talking about how we relate to um, everybody around us. Non-believers, Christians, and, you know, um, other relationships as well, those in our family and so forth. All right, so the grace-filled life is what I want to key in on tonight. Um, requires a few things here that, that uh, Paul mentions. And one is um, requires understanding, um, requires understanding of the gospel, of, of uh, what Paul has just laid out. And I know we're jumping in the middle of this here, but, but what Paul has just laid out in Romans 1 through 11. Um, so that's why that little word therefore is there in verse 1. I, I appeal to you or I beseech you, therefore, brothers. In other words, he's saying, based on everything that I just said, um, now here's what, here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to, to flesh it out. So it, it requires understanding. It requires understanding of, of um, God's mercy towards us. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. So again, he's, he's looking back at everything he's just talked about in Romans, which is, is, um, which is the gospel. For example, he's talked about true righteousness. In fact, I'll give you a little bit of a quote here from, from Calvin, John Calvin, um, on verse 1. He says, After having handled those things necessary for the erection of the kingdom of God, and here are the things that righteousness is to be sought from God alone, that salvation is to come to us alone from His mercy, and that all blessings are laid up and daily offered to us in Christ only. So after having handled these things, Paul now passes on, according to the best order, to show how the life is to be formed. So what Paul has done in Romans 1-11 through 11 is, is explain how that the gospel is our only hope. It is the gospel. Jesus Christ is our only hope. Romans 1.16, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe, right? And then he shows in chapters 2 and 3 how that we are all sinners. And in chapters 4, 5, and 6, how that um, we died in, in Adam, but we, we have the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Right, and he talks in Romans seven about the the struggle with sin, and then in Romans eight, um, the deliverance from that struggle, and and even the final deliverance, the uh, the the consummation, the fullness of our salvation that we long for and and uh, wait for. So, with all that in mind, Paul says, "I I beg you by the mercies of God." In other words, it's because of of these truths, because of what God has done in our behalf. We we were. Um, this comes to mind, but we were, we were talking about this last night, uh, Romans 3, where he, it says God set forth Jesus 
as a propitiation for our sins. Now, there's the heart of the gospel. What's what's the propitiation? Well, it, the, the word means to remove sin and and um, bear the the penalty, bear the, the the punishment. So Paul is saying in in Romans three that God set forth Jesus to remove our sin and bear the punishment in our place, so that we might be justified through faith in Him, so that we might be made right with God, reconciled with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And then um, Romans uh, 5.1 just makes that point again, that we're justified by faith. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what Paul has in mind here, the gospel. That's what he has in mind when he's talking about the mercies of God. what, What God has done by uh, saving sinners. So, I beg you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That's a, that's a tall order, isn't it? Present your body a living sacrifice, holy, holy, that, that word alone, holy, how, how am I going to be holy? Well, he's already laid all that out. It's only through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But he does, he does have the idea here of us being um, set apart for God. So, um, in fact, that's, that's the, the next thing that it requires. And, and uh, um, I put commitment here. You know, I kind of like that and I kind of don't like that. Christ, Christianity does definitely re- require commitment, but we, but we have to understand it's... It's not a heartless duty type thing. Um, uh, we, we, we're committed, but number one, by grace. In other words, God, God enables us to be committed to Him like He enables us to come to faith. Um, but, it's, but it's something that um, is a joy for us. It's not, I, don't want, I mean, I don't want it to sound like something, um, yeah, you know, just bare commitment cannot be too appealing. But, uh, but, it, but it is commitment nevertheless. You know, it's, it's a covenant relationship. Christ has covenanted with us and us with Him when we, when we come to faith in Him, when we profess our faith in Him. We are, we are saying, much like in the, much like in the um, and this is on purpose too, but much, much like the, the wedding ceremony, um, we, we're, we are in a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ so that we forsake all others for Him. And, um, and He is um, devoted to us as well. So, um, it requires commitment. And this is where he's going in verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Let's take that first phrase. Do not be conformed to this world. What what is that? Anybody want to comment on that? What, what, what What do you think Paul is getting at there? Don't act like the world. Yeah, good. So we would we we would be pursuing different things than than people in the world. You know, have different desires and so forth. Not not look like the world. You know, in, in so many ways. Um, and and literally the, the the word world here is age. So he's saying don't don't be conformed to this age. So 
kind of the idea here is don't don't let don't let this age mold you, shape you into its pattern. So we we should not be um, molded by this. Not be molded by this age, but by the age to come, right? I mean, we ought to be thinking <laughs> about eternity. And, and the world is constantly um, trying to make us uh, into its image, so to speak. And, and so that's what we're resisting. So, so it's, a, it's, a, it's an imperative. You know, don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed. By the renewal of your mind. Be transformed. And, and these are present tense verbs here that seem to suggest uh, it's, a, it's an ongoing activity. You, know, you keep on being transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, so first off, it's an imperative. It's a command. You know, don't be conformed to this age. Be transformed. And, and it's an on, ongoing um, activity. And, uh, well, I'll come back to that in a moment. But here's, I think this is interesting too. The, the word that he uses here <coughs> is the word metamorphosis. So what, what happens with a metamorphosis? It's a pretty radical change, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You go from, uh, well, in the case with a caterpillar, I mean, it, it looks like something totally different. Um, you know, you go from, from being one thing, seems like, to something almost totally different. Different. Mm, yeah. <laughs> no, but no, you're right. It's a it's a change of mind, right? You're, you're taking. That's what he says here. By the renewal of your mind. So yeah, you're the the way that we, and this is this is essential, and that's a great great point to bring up, because the the way that we are changed is is inside. It's inner now. It works out outwardly, like like you were saying, but it, but it's not enough to just change your wardrobe. You know, you can start dressing different, or wearing your hair different, or whatever the case. Um, but but that's that, that doesn't necessarily affect anything on the inside. What what Paul is talking about here is an inner work of God. So we're we're being changed. Um, and like I said, it's ongoing activity. We're, we're, we're being transformed by the renewal of our minds. Our mind is being changed about things. So that's why, I think it was Tiffany that said it, about the different, pursuing different things. That's why we pursue different things, because we got a different mindset. I mean, you know, this is one reason. I, I heard it here, one pastor say, and I, this makes sense to me, but he said he says I try not to. He was being asked about dress, you know. So he says I, I try not to dress in a way that draws attention to me, one way or the other. So in other words, he he tries not to uh, overdress, you know, flashy suit or whatever. On the other hand, tries not to underdress because he because the goal is I don't want to draw attention to me. So, I, so I think we we could take that and not 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 just pulpit pre. It doesn't only apply for pulpit preaching, but we could take that into area, every area of life, and even apply it in in other areas, uh, not just dress, but you know, we 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 can live and and enjoy things without overdoing it on either side. 
right? And we're not called to asceticism, um, but um, we're not called to extravagance either. So, so yeah, it just, it just takes it just takes wisdom, and the scripture lays out a lot of good principles for wisdom. It does not give us a, a list, you know, where um, only you know these certain shoes, where only women wear only dresses, like you said, are, are saying it doesn't give us something like that, but it does give us principles to go by you know be modest for example so yeah and it just it just takes wisdom and discernment in doing that and i think um i think too uh charlotte if if um in in all honesty like you were referring to some groups requiring a, a, a certain way you know women to dress a certain way i think that is conforming to the world in, in in reality, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's doing exactly what he's saying. Don't do. You know. We, in other words, you're, you're putting some worldly standard. Um, anyway. So that's that's the kind of thing that we have to really be careful about because we can fall in those traps real easy. Most most of what uh, um, maybe I shouldn't say most, but a lot of what the Pharisees were doing <coughs> was worldly. <laughs> they didn't see it that way, and the people around didn't see it. They thought, you know, they were really spiritual or whatever. But um, Jesus exposed a lot of that, and, and all it was was fleshly, you know, worldly stuff, cloaked with religion. All right, so do not be conformed, that is, shaped or molded, to this age, but be transformed, metamorphosized, you might say, by the renewal of your mind. So that, again, that's very important. In other words, it's it's not just that you change habits or change dress or something like that. It's that your mind is changed. That my mind is changed. And what a difference that is, as opposed to just laying down rules. You know, we could say, you know, if you're going to be a member of Fillmore Baptist Church, I mean, you don't you don't listen to certain bands out there, right? And we could lay the rule. And and people might come in and and agree to it and go by it, live by it. But what 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 purpose would that serve, um, you, you know? But but how different it is when, like you say, when your mind changes and you say, yeah, wow, you know, I, I don't need to watch that anymore, or I don't need to listen to that anymore, or, or whatever, you know, for 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 good reasons, not just because um, you're you're trying to conform to some man-made standard, but you're starting to see how that it's not lining up with God's ways, like Ari says, I guess. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, and you know, I, I I think I shared this before, but um, this I always think of this. Um, I, one night when we were, um, this is actually things were coming to a head in my life, which which wound up you know, uh, God bringing me to a point of surrendering. But so this is while this is happening or just prior to that or whatever we we were playing at a bar up in um Vivian one night and from from all outward appearance i mean uh, everything was going just the way we wanted it to go you know we had a packed house and i i, I can still kind of visualize this well i am I'm, I'm up singing and we're playing and i'm singing the dance floor was packed you know we're doing some song the dance floor is packed, and it, like I say, everything we want. I mean, it's going, it's going great. But all of a sudden, it struck me, and, I, and it's even hard for me to uh, put it into words. But I can, 
see it. But, but it all of a sudden struck me that um, this is all empty, you know? And, uh, I, you know, I, look, I can look back now and say, okay, well, God was dealing with me and He was open, opening my eyes to some things. At the time, I wasn't quite sure what all was going on. But, you know, my mind was changing about some things. And that was just uh, the start, really. But... Uh, but that's that's what he does. He he change with with his truth. And then when you start to get in the word, you know, and you're reading and studying, um, boy, he really starts to change your mind, <laughs> and it's amazing. And that, that's what I was going to say a minute ago. I said it's it's an imperative. You know, this be transformed. It's a, it's a command. It's an imperative, and it's also um, present tense verb. So it seems to imply uh, uh, ongoing action. So, you know, so that we're, we're, we keep on being transformed by the renewing of our mind. But it's also a passive verb. So, it's, it's like saying, um, you know, be made different or whatever. It's, it's not us doing the work. It's God doing the work. He's, he's remaking us, but, but we're, we're going along with it, so to speak. You know, yielding or in obedience. So... Um, that's that's what Paul is is commanding us here to do. Not first first the negative command: don't be conformed to this present age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, and I'm back in verse two again. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, so even there, you know, when he says that by testing you may discern, um, that, that um, implies some learning, a learning process. You know, you, 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 it's kind of like what you were just describing. You know, you start, you start thinking differently, you start realizing things, you start doing things different, and you start learning. And this is what we've all, what we've all done, you know, since, since God saved us. We start learning how to live God's will, how to follow Him. Because I, I tell you, <laughs> this is the truth. I can, I can remember, um, like, surrendering, uh, you know, but I didn't really have a clue, like, what's, okay, now what? All I knew was you're supposed to go to church, so I did that. But I mean, and, and I, but I didn't know what, okay, I... I my, my prayer, and I've told you all this before, but my prayer was, Lord, from here on out, I want to do it your way. But what does that mean? You know, I didn't know, okay, now, what, where, now where do I go? What do I do? I didn't know. But when you, when you are seeking God, when you're reading the Word, He starts making those changes in your head and teaching you how to do His will. So, present your body a living sacrifice. In other words, He's saying this, this is... There's the commitment. I mean, this is how you are. You you are dead now. You're dead to self, but you're alive to God. So so you are a living sacrifice to be used for the glory of God, to be spent for the glory of God. Holy, acceptable, and that's what that the idea that holy there is. When they when they would take a sacrifice in the Old Testament, you know, it was called holy unto the Lord, which meant you know that lamb belongs to God now. And that, that one's going to be offered up in sacrifice or whatever it was, you know. That turtle dove or whatever it was, that one is holy unto the Lord. 
So that's what Paul is saying. I'm I'm begging you to be a living sacrifice, holy. In other words, you are now um, offered up to the Lord for His use, for His glory, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this age. So now he's he's starting to flesh this living sacrifice thing out. Don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed like a, like a caterpillar is transformed into a butterfly, be, be transformed from ungodliness. Remember, you know, we're being trained. The grace of God is training us to reject, renounce ungodliness and to live godly in this present age. That's the transformation. That's the metamorphosis. So we're being transformed um, by the renewing of our mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, that's the, um, I think the answer to a lot of times when we say, I wonder what God's will is in some situation. You know, I want, I want to know what God's will is. Well, present your body a living sacrifice and it will come to pass. That is, His will will come to pass. If you're, in other words, if you're submitted to Him and, and given over to Him, um, He's going to see to it that His will is done in your life. And then verse 3, like I say, and He's still fleshing it out here. It requires humility. So we've had, it requires understanding, it requires commitment, it requires change. That is, uh, the grace-filled life. It requires understanding of the gospel. It requires commitment. To the Lord, it requires change, it requires humility. And, and this is where he, he really gets to, uh, like he's fleshing it out, like I said, but now he's starting to show that it, this plays out in relationships. So verse 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Or you could say, there sensibly. Think sensibly. <laughs> That's a great word. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Think sensibly. Be sober-minded. In other words, the implication is, if you think highly of yourself, you're not being very sensible. You're, you're, you're drunk. You're not, you're not sober-minded. That's a good word for us, especially in this day where... Um, High self-esteem is is considered such a virtue, um, and well, well, that's a whole other deal. But um, Paul says, "Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to, but think with sober judgment." So we're already starting to see, right, how the how the how the metamorphosis is working. In other words, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's that going to mean, Paul? Well, for one thing, it's going to mean that you don't think so highly of yourself. That, does, that doesn't not mean that you hate yourself or something like that. It, it just means that you are humble. And, the, you know, and that I don't put myself above other people. That's, that's the goal. I don't think that I'm something. You know, that everybody else is beneath me. Or that when I want something, everybody else's desires are second to mine. 
Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but be sensible. Think with a sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, he does something here that is similar to what he does in 1 Corinthians 12, um, where he, he describes the church as uh, um, using the analogy of a body and, and how the, the body works together. So again, here, here's the relationships at work when he's talking about members serving one another within the body. Verse 4, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So he's saying this, this is how you function as a body, not setting yourself above others, but functioning in the, in, in faithfully in the assignment that God has given you. You know, we, we're just like a, a body. We've got, we've got different um, functions, just like your, you know, your finger has a different function from your elbow. Your nose has a different function from your big toe. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying the same way in the church. People are different, so, so we shouldn't get the idea, you know, well, my gift is better. And, you know, and so I'm, you know, I think more highly of myself than I ought because... Uh, I'm kind of uh, enamored with, you know, myself and the way that God has gifted me. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. We're, we're just a body, and, we're, and we, we, we function as... We have different functions individually, but overall, we function as one body. So whatever gifting I have or you have, it's for the benefit of the whole body. In our case, the whole church. So, he says in verse 9, let love be genuine. That's, that's a great exhortation also. Let love be genuine. None of the fake stuff. Not, not put, put on, but the real deal. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Again, reminds you of Titus, you know, the grace of God is training us to reject ungodliness, renounce ungodliness, and to live godly. Verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient. The word there is endurance. Um, So endure in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So, he's saying this, this is how, how it looks when, when grace is at work in your life. When, when, when you are given to God as a spiritual um, living sacrifice and you are not conformed to this world, but rather being transformed um, by, the, by the renewing of your mind. Let me, let me throw out, now he doesn't mention this here, but, but let me, uh, we, we've kind of hit on this. 
Let's go back to verse 2 for just a minute before we uh, finish up. He says, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What, what would practically, what would be the way to do that? What, what would we, as far as our part, what would we do to renew our minds? Read the Word, right? Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's it. Get full of the Word of God. You know, Paul, he's, Paul says in Colossians, um, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know, just, just be, be filled up with it. <laughs> richly. Like a bank vault overflowing with money. Be full of the Word of Christ. Be full of the Spirit. Those two things are really synonymous. In Ephesians Five, he describes the fullness of the Spirit. And if you, if you look at that and then compare that with Colossians 3 where he describes being full of the Word of Christ, um, it, is, it is virtually the same. I mean, he uses the same wording to describe both because they're synonymous. So, yeah, get in the Word. To, to renew our minds, stay in the Word. We're, we're, you know, we're constant as far as the other stuff, you know, the world, we're, we're getting bombarded constantly, constantly. It's relentless. Sometimes we're, we're not even really aware of it, but it, but it's, uh, it's relentless bombardment. So we need, you know, the, the, the strength and, and, uh, the strength of God's word. We need his truth in us. Any other comments on any of that? That's a good word, isn't it? I outdo one another. That's a, that's a good way to compete. <laughs> as long as you're not, you know, I mean, you could take something like that, and like the Pharisees would do things to be seen. But, yeah, yeah. But no, out, yeah, outdo each other in honor. So, yeah. So it's, it's like saying, you know, um, gosh, I was trying to think of another. But, it's, well, it's like the idea of, it is the idea of striving to be humble. So, um, you focus your attention there, not, not to get, because uh, this, this would ruin the humility, wouldn't it? Not, not to get the praise of men, but, but like he says, genuine love, just because you, you want to serve, you want to love, you want, you want others to benefit. You know, the idea of honor, sometimes, like, like uh, honor your father and your mother, some, sometimes it carries the idea of actually providing for them, you know, monetarily. In the scripture, that word sometimes uh, carries that connotation. So it's more than just saying, you know, oh, I respect you. It means actually living it out, you know, showing it. Yeah, yeah, even when we get mistreated, you know, we, we are to be respectful back. It's just the right thing to do, yeah. Amen, amen. Yeah, and you know, and he, he puts that together with, I mean, you can kind of get the picture because he talks about, not only honoring, but hospitality. Let's see, contributing to the need. So, so I mean, you kind of put all of those things together. You, you, you see, he's talking about serving one another, you know, in, in humility. You know, showing respect, being hospitable, um, providing needs when somebody's in need. Here, here's another way of saying it, and this is a scriptural way of saying it, but uh, we just don't think this way a lot of times, I, I, I'm afraid, but... But he's talking about community living, the, the real deal. Living as a community, because that's what we are. Um, the, the body of Christ, we're, we're, we're a family. We're a, uh, a community, covenant community. We are bound together 
in a covenant relationship, not only with Christ, but with one another because of our covenant relationship with Christ. So it's, if you, in fact, you can't, it, it'd be like, you know, when I, when I married Leslie, I got, I didn't, I, not only the head, I got the whole body. And that's the way it is with Christ. And some people just want to have the head, you know. I just, you know, me and Jesus. Me and Jesus. Well, you don't get Jesus without getting His body, which is the church. So if, if, you're, if you're in covenant with Jesus, you're in covenant with the church. And if you're not in covenant with the body, you're not in covenant with the head, Jesus. So it's, it's a whole package deal. <laughs> so, and that's another reason why church is so important, the local church, because that, that is how Christ operates in this world, through His body, the church. So, you know, you, you, it's, it's just strange. You know, it's a strange day, you know, people, uh, you know, I can, I'm a Christian and I can function out there, you know, on my own. Me and Jesus got our own thing going. Yeah, you don't see that kind of thinking in the Scripture. It's always about being a part of a people. You know, in the Old Testament, it was the Hebrew nation, you know, the covenant people of God. In the New Testament, it's the church. But it's always about being a part of God's people. And then living it out. So, in the Old Testament, you know, they had the, the dietary laws and the ceremonialism. and so, so, being a part of God's people meant living this certain way. And, and then now, here we've got, you know, everything Paul is saying here, or Jesus says, you know, love one another as I've loved you. Um, that's how we live it out. And, and, we're, and it even gives us some real practical um, ways of doing that here. So... All right, well, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we are thankful for the work that You're doing in us. And Lord, so thankful for Your grace. And Lord, everything even that we're talking about here tonight, we know we're incapable of producing on our own. We, we are reliant upon You and, uh, Lord, your, your, the power of Your Spirit working in us. And we do pray, Lord, enable us to look to You and yield to You uh, be submissive in all things. And uh, Lord, may, may we live these things out just as we've been reading and talking about here. Showing honor and hospitality and genuine love. And may it all be for Your honor and glory. We do thank You and we pray in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen.